Hello, and welcome to the Acolytes of Merlin. Today, we will be discussing Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, uh, what is probably the last non entire, almost entirely non-controversial Star Wars movie. <laughs> uh, joining me today is Ben. Yeah, so uh, let's. So uh, this is the uh, episode five, the sequel to the first Star Wars movie, episode four, A New Hope. Uh, <laughs> so do we want to get into some of the top production or a little bit of the high level background stuff? I, I think I would lead off with just. Um... Uh, how the, the lenses that the three of us are going to look through because you know um this movie came out when i was a little under a year old and um for the two of you the prequel movies were movies that you saw as little kids so i think for for the you know, me and then the two of you, we're going to have completely different lenses that we're going to see this through uh, just because of our ages. And I think that's really going to um, create a, a really good variety of the conversation. Um, but I kind of want to just like include that to say a lot of my opinions as an old man and the two of you as young whippersnappers, um, that, that's kind of going to inform how we're presenting and, and thinking about the movie. Yes, uh, in terms of generationally, that's correct. But I definitely did see Empire at first when I was like four or five. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, yes, for, culturally, yes. Yeah, I think that's a very good point because I think when I think back to originally watching the original trilogy, I guess I don't have like that moment in my mind where I first saw it because it was just always there for me. Like, I definitely think I saw this movie before I had kind of conscious memories. Um, it, 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 it's, it's it is baked into our consciousness. Right. <laughs> and, and the same for me of, um, you know, I can remember being a little kid and knowing that these movies existed. And knowing that I had seen them. Yes, but I guess, like, especially if you think about the uh, the twist at the end, where so many people have that moment where they saw it for the first time. Like, I can't, I can't think about the first time I saw that. Yeah, you know, what I mean? yeah. Um, That's a good point. Uh, I mean, my mother probably spoiled it for me, but that's <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Uh, well, then I I think I will will start off um, with with why. I love this movie so much and why I was so excited to talk about this movie and why I signed up for this particular episode. Um, th this movie is, is such a wonderful sequel to a huge blockbuster box office hit and executed that sequel in, in a way that connected with both the audience uh, who were diehard fans but the Americana in general. And the, the scene that really connects for me is um, when Leia and Han on Hoth are like walking through the tunnels and the Empire is attacking and, you know, little balls of snow are falling down. 
and they're having a conversation where where Leia's like, you know, we need you, and, and Han's like, like you need you or we need you. How about you need me? Um, the audience is one hundred percent on board with who those characters are, where those characters are going, and the experiences they had because of Episode Four, and yet those two characters were in a completely different place um, in in their relationship. And the story somehow was able to convey with a couple of glances with that one scene where like Leia and 3PO are like, you know, in the base on Hoth and like kind of looking across the room at Han and Han is kind of looking at them. There are no words spoken and yet their entire relationship and their dynamic is changed and the audience is there for it and is on board with it without saying anything. And the contrast that I want to use is episode two and episode eight as sort of like the middle anchor. Real quick, uh, spoilers for all of Star Wars, basically, outside of Kenobi. Uh, we won't talk much on outside of the... Uh, on this sequel, sequel trilogy, but you will be talking about certain points. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, I'm not really going to talk too much about spoilers, but with episode two, you had an older, more teenage Anakin with Christian Haydenson, but you still had the same Queen Amidala with Natalie Portman. Um, So like that movie felt like you were introducing new characters. And then with episode eight, it was this massive pivot, very similar for, you know, four to five and then seven to eight of, okay, we're, we're in the middle of a battle, but in episode eight, all the characters were rearranged and doing different things with the exception of Ray, like Ray picked up exactly where she left off. And that storyline I really liked, (laughs) but um, for for Poe and for Finn, it was just like, okay, what, what are you guys doing now? Um, so with Episode Five, the characters didn't necessarily pick pick up where we left off, but we were able to see how the character dynamics changed, and yet they were still the same familiar characters that we knew from Episode Four, and I feel like the the ability to take the audience and bridge, hey, we're going to have a three-year gap, but we're going to take the audience there so that you guys don't need to worry about wh- what happened. You just know that things changed. That's what makes Episode 5 a remarkable movie and a, a remarkable, remarkably told story is the fact that they could take these characters three years story-wise, a year and a half, two years, movie-wise – and have the entire audience be okay with anything that changed. Right. It's, it's a natural progression for the characters without feeling like we're just going to retell the same story as A New Hope. Which, which, as, which a lot of sequels are wont to do. Yeah, and I think it does speak to, when we talk about the strength of this movie, that it really is the core of the most complete of the three trilogies. Um, and like you said, I, I feel like that three year gap is like almost like just the perfect amount of time between a new hope and empire when, you, as opposed to when you look at, um, 
Phantom Menace to Attack of the Clones, that was like a 10 plus year gap between the two movies time wise or in in universe. And then about what, like a 30 second gap between um, The Force Awakens (laughs) and The Last Jedi. Yes. Um, Right. Anakin and Obi Wan have an entire mentor relationship formed between those two movies, whereas Han and Leia, it's, 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 it's just the, in this, this example, it's just the next, it's it just similar, but a little bit more progressed. Yes, it doesn't seem like, like you said, like what they came, what you see in those opening scenes doesn't come out of like left field out of nowhere. Um, it makes sense as the natural progression. And I think just by starting off that way, it really does set this movie up, you know, as act two of the three part story that they're telling in the uh, original trilogy. And I think the three char- the three main characters are able to grow and show their diversity um, built upon what happened in episode four. I mean, you have Leia who is in the war room and is, you know, regarded as a high ranking military official which you see a little bit of that in episode four, specifically at the end. Um, But for the most part, it's okay where we're rescuing princess Leia damsel in distress. Whereas the early, like the Hoth scenes, um, Leia is very much like, no, like I'm doing my own thing. I am here for the rebellion and I am a leader in the rebellion. And the audience is like, well, of course you are because we know all of that from episode four. Whereas Han is, I'm here and I'm helping out, but like, I got to do my own thing. And the audience is like, well, of course we want you to be helping out the rebellion, but you know, you're, you're this, you know, this rogue, you're this, this, you know, smuggler guy, of course you're going to do what you're doing. And then with Luke, um, a little bit of a difference just because he has like the whole Wampa scene, but like Luke as well, it's like, all right, like Luke is out there as a, a recognized leader of the rebellion doing his thing. Well, of course he is because of all the things that happened in episode four led him to be that amazing leader. Um, And looking at episode two and looking at episode eight, it's like, where was that progression? So, so episode five as a middle of the trilogy just executed all of that incredibly well. Oh yeah. And I think a lot of that is just the dialogue and how the other characters, how they address Han in their varying capacities. Like there's the one helper, helper, the general guy who's basically saying right on, he's like, I like that. Or like, uh, a person who's not easy to live with. Like, basically, it's been a pleasure working with you, as opposed to yes, ma'am, Alea. Uh, and it's similar difference to Luke. Obviously, like you said, with the one we seen, we don't see that military interaction quite as much initially. Mm. But it does still come back around in the actual attack. They refer to him as rogue leader. Yeah, which you know, especially after you got through. You know, from episode four, where everybody's calling in with their call signs, and you knew, okay, red leader, gold leader, you know, those are the leaders of the squadron. Now you hear Luke has been given that designation. So you do see, again, that progression in, and I think that brings up a good point, using those other kind of side characters to establish the authority of the main three. Yeah. 
yeah, that works well. Um, leading into kind of the decision to have, going back to structurally, this decision to have the quote-unquote big battle at the beginning of the movie, and the rest of the movie follows as a more character-driven narrative. Uh, is, was a really interesting choice that really, really works. I, I would agree with that, and I feel like the characters were able to develop because you were able to see them in that sort of massive battle. Um, and it, obviously the party splits, but um, it, if it weren't a sequel to a movie and trying to start a movie with a massive battle and then having the character split, it wouldn't have worked. The reason that it worked is that we had those established characters um, and their personalities and their directions and where they were going established in episode four. Now, the interesting thing is that in episode four, there was zero romance between Han and Leia outside of um, Han making flippant comments about, um, and I'd almost say like patriarchal um, mass, um, machismo comments. Yeah, of, yeah. Like, oh, like she's a princess, you know. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, they're like, you know, of course your worshipfulness. Yeah, your your, um, your worship your worship is the one that yeah you know, comes to mind. <laughs> um, but the audience was on board with that, and then that was able to pivot to episode five, where it's like, all right, big battle with characters that are established, and now these characters are going to flourish. Yeah, you wouldn't have been able to do that in another movie if it wasn't a sequel. Yeah, I think. That yeah, I think the other thing you do, not just you, you don't just reestablish you know, your main trilogy. You also reestablish the uh, the antagonists, you know, because you're kind of coming off episode four. Oh, well, the Death Star has been destroyed. You know, how is the Empire still a threat? Oh, here they come. You know, here's the full might of the Empire. Um, and that I think that does set up stakes for the rest of it. And especially as you get on essentially to when Luke has to make his decision towards the end of the movie to stay or go. Um, you see what he's up against, and you see the stakes that Han and Leia are facing that drives Luke's decision by showing the full might of the Emperor, and also just being visually stunning. Um, oh yeah, yeah. It's I mean everything. I I like everything visual. I think everything visually looks cooler in the snow. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the the other interesting thing, and I was thinking a lot about. Um, Eye of the World and Wheel of Time, um, where inevitably the the party splits, and Ajwin and, and Perrin like you know do their whole you know. Uh, careful, careful, careful. Yeah, but. yeah, but um, um, but like the party splits. Whereas in Episode Four, the party comes together and then semi reluctantly. Um, overcomes adversity, whereas in episode five, well, now the party is together and doing things, but but Luke has to say, all right, I need to separate. And looking at a lot of the fantasy tropes or sci-fi tropes where the party inevitably gets split up, I felt right. like this being one of the earlier examples, this was also one of the ones where it was a deliberate decision that was made, where Luke said... I need to do this. I could go with you guys. I could go with the rebellion, 
but I'm going to do this other thing instead. And the, the group making an active decision to say, all right, we will come back together and we will figure things out. Um, which I also think that, that, you know, when you get to Cloud City and, you know, the reunion does happen, um, which, you know, albeit brief because, you know, Han, Carbonite, that sort of thing. Right, yes. <laughs> but that makes that a little more satisfying as well because the party coming back together is done in a way where the party is under duress. Whereas a lot of fantasy series, it's, well, who knows when the party is going to go back together and who knows what sort of situation it's going to be in. Right. Um, so I felt like that trope was executed incredibly well in this movie also. If the trip, yeah. if the trope even existed back in 1980, maybe subconsciously, but certainly not to the degree that it does now. You also have the o the OG to trap. Uh, yes, <laughs> as, as Leia is <laughs> imploring Luke to leave, which of course, yeah, at this point we're past. Yeah, <laughs> Luke has made his decision. <laughs> Do you want to go just go into that sequence, the whole sequence? Uh, Let's do it. Yeah, I well, so first, I just I think I, it was more. I think it's even more apparent when Luke arrives at Cloud City. But the visual, the visual contrast is in that section is awesome. From the like just the image of Luke walking around this this the white with like the light and the blue in the hallways. Is kind of this peaceful setting, and then the direct contrast of like the blacks and the reds, and obviously Vader uh, is like I, visually, at least, I think it really worked. Like for, for to create like the atmosphere that they were going for. I, I I agree, and it's unfortunate that we have like both the original and then the remastered because in the original it was a lot of blue skies and fluffy white clouds and then the remaster it was a lot of pinks and purples and dusk sunset um because the color comparison of dagobah to cloud city is very different um but that said i i definitely agree that um that imagery definitely takes the audience emotionally to a different place yeah, and it's it's funny you mentioned that because I believe we were talking. Johnny and I were talking in the A New Hope podcast that uh, we don't we're trying to figure out if we've ever actually seen the original cuts of these movies. Oh and, my gosh! Oh. We, we, we did have a little bit of a discussion about uh, yes. <laughs> preservation of the film uh, versus also you know updating and keeping it alive but that is because i don't know i swear like i do have like an image of the blue approach to cloud city but i whenever i think about it i always think about at sunset um so well yeah i i don't think i've seen the blue approach i was talking about more the hallways but yes i don't think i've actually seen that <laughs> the, the approach is, I think, still kind of like darker scones, but like the hallways were, were very bright. Yes. And mm-hmm. it, as a comparison, um, the, the horror movie Midsummer, which is um, a daylight horror movie, and you think horror movies, and it's all 
nighttime and it's all slasher and you can't see anything. And I kind of compare it from a cinematography standpoint of, oh, this is a massive big battle and it's the middle of the day. And that's something that's kind of unique and kind of not done that often where – and they do that in episode one. um, You you, you both with Hoth and Luke's invader or Bunner. Well, um, like the, the 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 Luke coming to Cloud City, yes, yes, being, yes. But like the the big like the chase scene, the big escapes. Um, but those hallway scenes, in as they're escaping, just feel completely different, and they feel, I, I want to say, more alive and less, um horrific if that makes sense yeah i mean even the, the version of all the, the versions i see and it, it yeah i feel that feeling i'm alive is more with the hallways in particular um makes sense uh, so the actual duel uh i i know so one thing i noted in, in both this duel and in the cave Luke ignites his lightsaber first, which is very interesting. And I, that's actually a really good point. Um, because one thing that like, isn't really recognized about Luke is the entire original trilogy. He is impulsive. He is reckless. He is over eager and he doesn't listen and pointing out the fact that like in all of that, he, Draws his lightsaber oh, first. Yeah. Well, he, checks out. Even like it's immediately apparent where, like Luke's movements are more erratic and impulsive, and everything Vader does from how his lightsaber ignites to how he moves is slow and deliberate and, cal- and generally calculated. Until until he reaches it at the end, but <laughs> but what, especially in that opening section, it's slow, deliberate. He is in control of like himself and of the battle. <laughs> Which is, I think, something that Luke Luke doesn't really realize until it's too late, but he is so far outmatched by Vader. Vader is, he has a goal, and the yeah. goal is not to kill Luke. The goal is to bring him before the Emperor, and he can just toy with him the whole time. Uh, and, and you see that, because at the end of the duel, when Vader decides to turn it on, Luke lands a lucky hit, and then a yes. second later, Luke's <laughs> hand is off. Um, and and like you can kind of tell just from the whole from Vader's presence, which is just something, the way you know the first shot of him in there, um, where he tells you that he is not a Jedi. Oh, I, I still get uh, like almost chills when I when I watch that first like five seconds of the fight. <laughs> um, like you never get the feeling that Luke has a has even a chance. Um, to win this fight. Well, and and I, I want to talk more about that, but I think it was incredibly well done that Han was encased in carbonite before that, because it added th- that scene added that additional element of peril and um, danger that we, we as the audience saw firsthand. Oh, this is the trap that Vader has laid. Like, Vader wants to encase Luke in carbonite 
And there's that sense of, yeah, Vader knows Luke isn't going to come willingly. Vader knows he needs to bring him reluctantly as a (laughs) quote-unquote prisoner. And, um, but, you know, going back to Matthew's point, like, yeah, like, Vader's plan is to bring Luke before the Emperor, not to kill him. Um, And that, going off of that, when Vader says the, you know, impressive, most impressive... I, I think it, it it's both a, um, a a scene less of Luke's strength and prowess and more of Vader like oh he, he's crafty okay he, this is good I can work like, with this yeah so it, it I think the again the audience at that point from an original watching doesn't know that Luke is Vader's son so Vader saying that without that knowledge is. Oh, it's, it's they were underestimated Luke. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Whereas exactly. knowing that... Yeah. I was going to say, whereas knowing that Vader has this whole plan, you know, mapped out, it's, oh, oh yeah, this, I can work with this. Uh, th- this yeah, this it's is funny. exactly so, what I wanted. I was that- younger. I don't think I ever connected that Vader's plan was in case Luke and Carbonite. <laughs> like, I don't... Th- it took me until I was like, in, like 10 or 11 before I like under for some reason like before I understood that that's what he was trying to do even though that's like the whole point of Han getting frozen <laughs> yeah I, I'm trying to think what it was but I definitely had a realization way too late about something in so maybe it was what was happening with Jar Jar in Attack of oh. Thrones. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I just didn't pick up on that until much like, oh, he gave him the power to create the... I don't think I caught the entire military yeah, creation storyline. I'm sure very... Uh, I'm sure we will talk... I'm sure we were not the... You or I were not, or whoever were not the only ones that didn't pick up on that, how the prequels are written, but we, we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um. Um. But that entire scene, which is one of the longer scenes in Empire, um, it, it, every single moment is is dynamic. Whether you you know whether it's the individual duel, whether it's Luke walking into, um, you know, quote unquote, the trap. It's um, after the duel, and and Vader is just toying with him, um, or especially Vader using the Force just to throw all these objects at him, which is is one of my favorite moments because Vader's oh, yeah. just, just like meh, 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 <laughs> and and how nonchalantly Vader is able to control the Force. It, it's oh, a, yeah. I'm going to guess like 14 minute scene, uh, maybe about 10 minutes, but um, the entire scene is just like. So many different things happen, and so well, few words. But the words that are spoken, I mean, until the very end. James Earl Jones is like a master, but like ironically, he's a master. But <laughs> but uh, but yeah, all his dialogue, he just he, he just chews on it, and it is brilliant. Vader's also kind of eloquent. Like the the phrase I like thought of was like like end destructive conflict. Like just phrases, you just the way he uses phrases like that. I'm like, oh, you're you're like a you're a really bad person, 
You're a very eloquently bad person. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as a villain, and also at this point not knowing, you know, the conflict, um, quote unquote conflict that that Anakin slash Vader feels, because that's not apparent in Episode Five. Um, but as a villain, you almost kind of appreciate his prowess and his ability, uh, because most other villains are are unhinged. Villains typically are evil for the sake of evil. Villains are um, reckless, and, and is Vader the, is I mean, anything I, but the. I think he is the greatest movie villain ever. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to have a pitched battle about that, but I will state that <laughs> uh, in this in this movie in particular, as far as the villain stuff goes. Yeah, again, like this is kind of the first time we do get to see the depth of his character because. Kind of in episode four, he is kind of just evil for the sake of evil. Like, he's just the agent of the evil empire. Um, but now we get to see this depth, and then which gets explained at the end. But you go through the entire movie not knowing why the sophistication. Why is he, why is he not why, just, you know, chopping why, loose why, why does he need to? Um, why is he doing that whole, whole everything uh, going on? Except Luke nonchalantly when he does... What he does at the end, as easily as he does it. And, and then you also remember when the Emperor confronts Vader about the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. I, I, I'm trying to remember the Emperor's exact lines. He says like he could be a powerful enemy, and then but Vader's the one that brings up, but if he mm-hmm. could be turned, you know, because like essentially the Emperor was about to order you know, Vader to do to Luke what he did to every other Jedi. And Vader is the one to say, no, 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 I can turn him. I can do something else here. Um, which, of course, we find right. out why yeah, he did more that at the end. Tim, is, is that... Oh, no, I was going and, and I feel is like that's... I know the, that they... The original that's not in... Is that... The, is that dialogue the same Yeah, it's a completely different actor. Okay, okay. Yes, the dialogue is identical. Um, That said, it's kind of interesting to look at that scene and then look at Anakin in episodes two and especially three, where he's still, and then more so, you know, Clone Wars. Like, Anakin had a heart. Anakin had a moral compass that was just way out of whack. But he still wants to protect his children. He still wants to protect his son. Um, And I think knowing where he, like, I think that's one of the few moments where the prequel trilogy helps inform and enhance um, the original trilogy, because you can see, yeah, like Anakin is still a father and Anakin still has those fatherly emotions that we saw. We will talk about how well the prequel actually demonstrate that in general but in theory yes <laughs> yes right and Clone Wars certainly in theory certainly yes more. I was going to say it, the, the, the... I, I would yeah. say more so yes. Clone Wars. I'm thinking of a episode in the Bad Batch arc of Clone Wars the last season um, that, Tim have you seen that yet yeah, I've seen. Yeah, I've seen Bad Batch. I've seen all of Clone Wars. Um, yeah, so the the scene where Anakin kind of sneaks off to 
call Padme. Yes. Rex is covering for him. Like that that yeah. that conversation between them, I think is a very good illustration of that. And also just some, kind of something I was thinking about in other terms. Uh, but you know that not just that Luke is just his son, but it's kind of also the last to Anakin, the last remaining connection no. to Padme, even though he's really he's never known this kid yeah. for 19 years. This is the last connection uh, to his wife, because I was thinking like kind of along the other lines on another topic, like why was Uncle Owen so protective of Luke? It's like, OK, you never knew Anakin. Like, why are you so protective of this kid? And right. I realized, oh, that's your last connection right. to your stepmother. Right. Like that's yeah. that's Shmi's grandson. Right. Not necessarily. Right. And likes the Republic, which, like, that's his last, last well, literally, the new hope, or the only, his own, like, figuratively and literally, like, the only thing that's still hopeful is life. I mean, it's not true, but. Yes. That's, but, like, she's not, like, for the future as much as Luke is. Um, one other thing that I wanted to talk about to kind of pivot a little bit, um, you know, as it is kind of, you know, universally accepted that that Empire is is the best of, of all the movies. I, I kind of wanted to talk about my personal yes. favorite moments and, and why um, I genuinely just love watching this movie all the time. Um, right, so, so there are do, definite so scenes do, do, do that, that I want to talk about, a... but top one or two favorite and if there is a least favorite least favorite i have like one kind of least favorite but do we, yeah just moments from the film just moments from the film okay uh, yeah so Tim, yeah, go ahead. yeah yeah all right so my my number one favorite scene <laughs> is definitely the asteroid field yes um one the music is amazing um and the music is just so the music makes those scenes so good, but there's also the peril of they're going through an asteroid field and, oh, no, hyperdrive's not working. And, oh, like the Empire's right there. Um, and Han is trying to impress Leia and 3PO is being 3PO. And so many things are happening all at once. Um and then you get into the actual asteroid field and the music of the asteroid field like gets even more intense and the practical effects are phenomenal um but to me like that is peak star wars of all right the empire is like we've got these star destroyers who are on our tails we've got these you know, uh, TIE fighters that are like chasing us and I'm the best pilot in the galaxy and I'm going to maneuver through an asteroid field. Um, it was just amazing. And it, the action, the, the character development, the movement of the plot, okay, I mean, Han, all, just all firing on, on top. All that stuff, but Han and Leia's interactions in that whole section in particular are, are so well done. Mm-hmm. And then the, to keep going on that, yeah, their their interactions, but also just kind of like the building of it. They're not jumping from like those first couple glances to the "I love you, I know" scene. Like you fill in that middle. Yes. I think very nicely paced to to make that last scene makes it like it feels like that is the logical conclusion to yes. everything uh, you I played think out. The kiss when they're inside the uh, cave. <laughs> 
Oz the Warhawk. It's, it's, it's so, it's I've isolated so the link. <laughs> the reason I think it's so great is because of that line and how much I cringe every time I watch it. it means that, like, they suck, it means that I was sucked in the fact that I was jolted out so jarringly when 3PO comes in. <laughs> yeah. And and then to watch Leia pivot away because yeah, Leia's yeah, just she's like, like, oh, uh, right, move, move did, I, so did I want to do that? Did I do that? <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> but so, Johnny, what would be your number one moment? Flipped around, but probably uh, Yoda lifting up the um, X-Wing from the bog. Just because that, that's his... Yeah. That's, uh, that's the big... Yeah, the, just because of the music and what it represents for Luke and the, and like that, the quotes after where Luke's like, I don't believe it. And Yoda's, that is why you fail because you can't, like, you don't think this is possible. <laughs> and so, like, if you can't, and so you're just not gonna, you're just not even gonna give it a shot. Uh, but yeah, like, just the, the emotion in that scene. Well, it also gets just one of the, uh, like counter on one hand redeemable scenes in Rise Skywalker. <laughs> it gets paralleled, but <laughs> yeah, just that, yeah, that, 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 that would be my, my number one. I think going to that scene as well, it's also one of the first just demonstrations yes. of what the Force can do. You know, like, we've okay, we've seen some rocks get lifted, you know, we've seen uh, you know, Vader's choked a dude at this point. Um, but now we see a starship get lifted by this, you know, three foot little creature, um, which I almost effortlessly. Yeah, exactly. And that, and so we see the power of the force, which just kind of deepens the mystery around it. Yeah. Uh, Matthew, you have a, do you have a particular favorite? Off the top of your head, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> see, I get. I, I guess, I mean. The Saber Duel is always, you know, just such a favorite of mine. But I think, you know, being kind of lore-obsessed here, I really love the first interactions with Yoda when he gets to the planet. And he's, I'm, I'm looking yeah. for a great warrior. It's like, oh, wars not make, not make one greater. I butchered his butchering <laughs> of that sentence. Um, and, and then they get to the hut, and I cannot teach him. He has no patience. And then just... For the first time, you see what, the, yes. what is a Jedi, you know, because based on the first movie, you would kind of come into this thinking, oh, Jedis are these adventurers. They live these exciting lives. And, you know, it's like, no, you don't look for adventure. You don't look for excitement. Um, and you start to see that depth and kind of almost if Luke is starting to realize the greater universe oh, that he yeah. has now stepped into. And that he is going yeah, to have and going such back a to big role in it. Point about Luke's impulsivity, where, where in that scene he's like uh, still doubtful of Yoda and trying to find this Jedi Master, but like once he once he realizes it's Yoda, oh, but wait, I am good enough. Like now, now everything about how the interaction changes, which makes sense given Luke's character, but uh, it, like, it fits really well. When I think going off of that, um, it, it, it goes back to Luke's impulsivity, Luke's 
uh, recklessness. I mean, Yoda even says you are reckless. Um, but Luke's just like, all right, you're just like this little <laughs> green Muppet goblin thing. Oh wait, you're the Jedi. You're you're a Jedi man. Okay, look, no, I'm legit now. Come train me. Um, and and Luke, it, it it really exemplifies Luke's lack of reverence, and it, because a big part of the Jedi Order and and one of the criticisms that the Sith would have is, you know, reverence for. Um, Luke doesn't have that reverence and doesn't attain it in in Empire Strikes Back, and Yoda is very cognizant of that. And I feel like all of those scenes and all those interactions with with Luke and Yoda kind of show that. And even if you like look at the the very first scene that Luke is in in Return of the Jedi, where he's just like, "I'm a powerful Jedi Master," it's like, "Are you really though, or are you just like telling everyone that because you wanna? You're you're like." The, the little kid wearing your dad's suit kind of thing. Uh, so all those interactions, I feel, really do exemplify Luke's recklessness and arrogance and impatience. Well, he's getting, he's an Jedi master to take down Jabba's empire. <laughs> and, uh, the, 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 accurate, but, accurate. Anyway, yeah. But yes, so, yeah. I and I think just the perfect simplification of all that is when he hits his head on the ceiling. Just... Yes. Which is just like such a subtle yes. thing, but it's just like, yeah, there's, there's the point made right there. Um, yes, and yeah, well, and, and he's faced with like, like his, we get Obi Wan's actual dialogue besides his little bit in the beginning where he's basically like, no, like echoing what Yoda's saying, like, and like they, Luke even directly says, like, and want to stay here and let them die. And Yoda says, if you honor what they fight for, then yes, like you're going to lose. And Luke's basically like, well, I don't care, I'm going anyways. <laughs> Which I think is very interesting, especially as in subsequent years they have kind of flushed out what happens between the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Rebellion. You kind of see that, you know, Obi-Wan and Luke, or not Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan and Yoda have been essentially, if you honor what they fight for, stay out of it until you're ready. Yes. And that's been their life for 20 years now. Um, but obviously that hasn't been Luke. Luke hasn't understood that, and I, I, I shouldn't get into that now, but I think you... No, it's, it's, a, valid, <laughs> no, it's a valid point. Well, no, and the, now the interesting thing is in Jedi, it flips. Return of the Jedi, I should say, it flips because Luke is... Like when you start about Vader, and Luke's Luke's, Luke being able Luke's different perspective is what allows them to turn Vader back ultimately. But in in this instance, like Luke needs the growth to get to that point, and he doesn't have it yet. Um, but I, I I do think just on a general level, this is my favorite. Uh, it's not one of my favorite top two training montages ever. <laughs> uh, but both of me, what they're showing him do in the swamp. And like Yoda's like actual teaching is just I think stellar and so well done. So one other thing that I, I definitely wanted to talk about is the music. Um just because it I mean the music is iconic and as as a musician, but also as someone who loved the movies, like the music definitely moved me to being the musician that I am today. 
Um, but specifically the Imperial March and how iconic it is and how like you can play that song in so many different situations. Um, like let's say you have a boss that is just a real jerk and really mean and you're hanging out with a bunch of your coworkers talking with your boss and your boss leaves, you could hum the and everyone will get a chuckle because everyone knows what that is and what that means and what it references without being able to directly point to where did it come from and a movie and a movie score that was able to accomplish that is is massive because so little in the world of movies are able to accomplish that um but I, I felt like as amazing as the score of New Hope is, like Empire is is hands down the best score of all of the Star Wars movies. And that but, definitely made the viewing experience better. I'm I'm not I wouldn't totally just, with the Imperial Mark, I totally agree. And my other standout for me, the Gibson out would be Hustle and the Princess and the Asteroid. Build song. I figure that's the actual name, but uh, those two, I I will pick a bone in because I think the soundtracks of the prequels are stellar in general. But that, we can get into that for the prequels. But yeah, the Imperial Hunt and Hansel and the Princess are like so, and how they're like you said, how they're used is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, well, in addition to that, though, the um, Han and Leia love theme was also introduced. And yes, yeah, 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 that's the hot the, the movie ends on that, and that ending is is so powerful. Uh, um, and I think the music makes it that powerful. Yes. The, yeah. And, when, and the, sorry, one real quick point: it's with the ending. It still ends on a hopeful note or at least of the heroes looking into the future despite the fact that they all effectively lose or other than the fact that they're all yeah. technically alive they, they fail in most of their objectives uh, yeah Matt, i'm sorry Matt, i think you were starting you were starting to make a point for the music or about the scene uh, I, I was just going to bring up the uh the, the love theme between uh han and leia as another stellar piece from this movie um and sometimes I always forget that this is the movie where the Imperial March was introduced, that it wasn't A New Hope. Right. Because um, yeah. <laughs> it, it's so synonymous with Star Wars. They're like, well, of course it's in the first Star Wars movie, but it's, it's not. Which, yeah, it's super no. Um, yeah, I, sorry. It's not Across the Stars. That's not the name of the piece, right? No, it's ha, 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 Across the Stars is the Anakin Padme. Yeah, that's right. Juan Solo and the Princess is the one from Empire. Mm. And I think it just might be called like love theme. No, I think it's I know I, I do I think the name is Han Solo and the Princess. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, also, also the uh, uh, for uh, I mean, when just culturally, this is more really random tangent point. But the uh, hey, remember that uh, people that know a certain Marvel movie that references uh, that that really old movie, The Empire. Strikes yes. back. <laughs> uh, here, yes, that's that. That would be that would be this one. Yeah, yeah, it's and yes, it is just on Solo and Princess. 
Well, so we, we talked about our favorite moments. What what are moments that didn't work for us or what are moments that we felt like could have been removed from the movie or weakened the movie? Matthew, do you have any, do you want to start? Uh, or if you want to think I can go. You can go. I need, I need to think about that. Right. Uh, I have two. The first, And I think the, the, these are not moments that I think well, this first, the, the Luke Wampa opening doesn't, or just the, like, yeah, the Luke Wampa opening doesn't totally land for me. Uh, now, it is cool that it's the first time we see a, uh, like, it's the first time Luke really uses a, like, force ability, so to speak, like, the, uh, when he pulls the lightsaber, but it, 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 it always seems kind of slow, and at least as a kid, I always remember thinking, okay, okay. All right, we're in the cave now. Like Han's going to save him, but then he's going to say the funny line about how bad we want to smell. And now we're finally getting to the battle. Uh, yeah, but uh, I mean, it's you, you need it. You need something to. Oh, you need an intro scene for Luke, and not everything is going to be super exciting about the movie. But that's probably the one scene in particular that land. Uh, it is just the. My lens of, oh, I'm going to get into the... Uh, One thing that I do enjoy about that scene is it does have the comic relief. Uh, because comic relief is typically for more tragedies. Like, in Shakespearean tragedy, all the, the, the horrible deaths went down. And while... Yeah, I think it's, it's funny, you because I think that's just, like, almost a generational thing about movie making. It's sometimes when you think about older movies, you kind of... You forget that there's kind of these slower openings in a lot of them. Because um, I think if you made Empire Strikes Back today, you open with an overhead shot of the M- of the Star Destroyers descending on Hoth. Um, That's a good point. I was just, was I just watching? Uh, I saw everything, everywhere, all at once. <gasps> we need to talk about that, but go ahead. Okay. Um, I, was, I was watching that movie, and I thought, of, I, like, I remember thinking, this feels older because they're taking their time to kind of get to the action um because especially like if you look at really aside from a new hope you look at empire and return of the jedi they do start off kind of slowly before they get to that initial action sequence um but you see in uh i think all three of the sequel movies you Open up. First shot is a battle scene in The Force Awakens. First, first shot is a battle scene in uh, Last Jedi. First shot in Rise of Skywalker uh, is a battle scene. Um, and, and even in this prequels, it's the same thing. I mean, it's not, it's not as obviously fast paced. Like you, you lead into the fights in Venom Menace, and it, like, and the the bombing and attack of the clones isn't like a huge action sequence. But it's still like things are immediately happening. Um, well, I guess in, in, in the New Hope's weird that it does a New Hope. The opening is like that, but then once you go to like the more traditional start of the narrative on Tatooine, then then you have a bigger slowdown. Uh, Tim, did you did you have a did you have your a least or seen it quite work as well or? least favorite movement moment in in empire um as much as i love the asteroid field um the going into the space slug and mm. like, 
like I, I should say the the escaping from the space slug because I think like doing the repairs in the Falcon leads to the amazing Han and Leia scene where three PO like interrupts them, but then when they're like oh, hey, like, we just got hit by something. Like, oh, what what's going on? And they, like, explore outside of the ship. Like, it, it's a cool world-building scene in a movie that didn't need cool world-building, if that makes sense. My world already has a lot of it. Yeah, like, they could have just said, like, oh, we're going to fly into, like that, at, like, that larger asteroid and hide out. And they didn't need to have this whole space slug alien sock puppet the what they were like the peril that they were escaping from now that, um, yeah that's one of the effects that doesn't that didn't quite age as well like i i think on first like when i was younger watching that i was always like oh it's like like kind of like scary it's a big space worm but like i think that's one of the things that doesn't hold up quite as well right um and and other than that though like to to find I, I, I agree, like, the earlier scenes of Dagobah, and that's also, like, it's exposition, and, like, there's gonna be slow moments in that sort of build-up yeah. exposition, but, like, to, to pinpoint, like, what do you cut out of Empire Strikes Back? Like, I, I'm hard-pressed to find anything. Right, there is not a lot. Like, I, we're, I'm saying, we're saying this, and there, it's, this is pretty nitpicky as far as, like, when you get a stylistic, I don't know, you get someone that has stylistic opinion, but like, what is not, there isn't a lot of stuff that's non-essential. My favorite one, but that's, but I'm sure there's, I would hear arguments for why that has to be in there. Yeah. Well, and even with the Wampa, it's an it's an opportunity for you, Luke, to use the Force. Yes. Whereas with the Space Slug, it's, y'all could have just had them like on the edge of an asteroid and then hey we're gonna like move out and pretend that we're gonna be some of the garbage from the star destroyers right yeah that's that's another really good musical cue the um uh you uh you, uh, you have your moment i think is the line when they're floating away yeah uh, and, and the, i think yeah i think they use the hustle and the princess of the end yeah that's really framed really well matthew do you have a particular or if not, then not. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, really, if it's not the space slug, I think that's that's kind of about it. I mean, I think, I mean, it's kind of hard to say what would you take out because it's really not a particularly long movie. Right. Um, right. So it's kind of like you don't really need to, and it's not, there's no real pacing issues. So, no, the pacing is almost flawless in general. Yeah, so it, it's not like, I guess there's really nothing out because I guess if you take something out, what would you want more of? Not. I mean, I don't know. Like, is that? No, me, that's a really valid point. I don't know what I. I, I guess my thought is like, if you're if you're talking about a movie that doesn't really have a time issue, if you take something out, it really sh- I think it should be to put something back in, and I guess like unless you want more, Luke on Luke on Dagobah. Um, Maybe some more interactions with Obi Wan on Dagobah, but yeah, I mean, okay, that's the that's the that, only thing I could possibly. I was like, you don't need more Dagobah at a time. You you have the just right amount of Han. Yeah, that's the only thing I could think of would be maybe one more Obi Wan conversation. 
vacation or something. I don't know. Yeah, but <laughs> then you would have had to convince Alec Guinness to stay for more than one day. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Accurate. Um, I, I feel like if they cut something from Dagobah, like, would you have wanted to see more on Hoth or more on Cloud City? Maybe a little more on Cloud... But again, it's... it's that don't like, I... There isn't a lot that I can think of and say... And say... And, okay, maybe part of it's the three of us just, like, do absolutely love this movie. I, can be, I would be curious to hear more a more... Kind of more like, imposing opinion, but yeah, I there. I don't know what I don't really feel like I need more of anything in particular. I'm like, there isn't really a lot because there aren't really any ancillary sequences. Like, every set has this very specific purpose, and they and they don't typically stay too long, or and you get enough certainly get enough development in each of the different settings. Enough development and resolution. Like, there's no way. Yeah. There's no. There's no loose ends that aren't supposed to be loose ends. Yes. Does that make sense? Like, because I, I think of some other movies where things have been left unresolved. We're <laughs> 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 just kind of sit here. Okay, when when's the Disney Plus series to resolve this? The people in sequel are going to be so much fun. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, like, obviously they want a little bit of mystery. Like, is Vader really his father? What? Like, um, they what? want you, they want that question. Like, is he telling the truth there? So a little bit of ambiguity there, but, you know, just enough to leave you wondering for the however many years it took for the next one to come out. Yeah. Well, and, and as yeah. you mentioned that, like, Think of how little dialogue happens in the movie after that line is said. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. And and the lines that are said are like Luke, father, Luke, father. Um, but like the audience is left with Luke struggling to survive, which that whole scene is just amazing. Um, oh yeah. yeah well, um, it just a touch while I think on that. The, 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 the most gorgeous part of I don't like the most gorgeous shot in the whole movie that hits me every time is when Falcon does that flip turnaround over the cl- or underneath the cloud ring. Uh, I don't know if you, it's there. It's when they turn around to go back to get Luke. Yeah, it's, why, it's this wide shot and it is just gorgeous. It's awesome. Well, and I, one point I want to talk about as a, I don't want to say a correction, but to amplify. So that scene in the original trilogy is sort of at dusk and the sun is hmm. setting, um, which kind of, for me, also conveys a sense of time. Like, all right, like we're escaping, we're we're out of here. Uh, but the original Hall 8-way scenes were daytime but maybe three hours passed, and then, all right, the Falcon takes off, and Luke is battling Vader. It is that whole dusk thing. Um, Now I kind of want to reflect upon having it be the kind of, like, purple-pinkish dusk sky the entire time makes it feel like that entire sequence happened in, in movie, maybe, a half an hour, whereas starting during the day and then the Falcon leaves and then comes back could have been a couple of hours. Yeah, that, no, that that's a good point. Yeah, the the how 
time passages. Interesting there. Uh, the one last thing I want to shout out, we didn't, we didn't talk about Lando at all. Uh, no, we didn't. I, um, I, 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 no Lando, no Boba Fett. Well, yeah, no, but, well, but Boba Fett looks cool. He should have stayed just looking cool. Well, that's a whole different discussion. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Lan- Bill, Billy D. Williams is great, and I really like how you, you're constantly guessing whether or not you trust him. And you really don't, and, and you still really don't, until they're literally, like, leaving on the Falcon, and it's like, no, he is, like, or when he, t- or when he tells the citizens to leave, then you're like, oh, he really is, like, actually on their side now, because he's going to die if he doesn't go with them. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think you... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, ahead. um, like, the moment where he says, like, the Empire arrived just before you did like gives you all the exposition you need. Like it informs the plot. It informs who he is as a character, which isn't like, it it doesn't tell you what side he's on. It legitimately is like, guys, the empire was here first. What, what did you expect me to do? Um, and I think Billy D Williams does an amazing job acting the, y'all don't know where I'm going to fall. Y'all don't know if I'm going to end up being a good guy or a bad guy. Oh yeah, I, I love that. That opening scene is so good. And like Han lands, and he's like he plays that so well. Where it's you, you, like you think he is angry, and then he goes in for like the punch kind of that. I don't yeah, know, is a hug, but like it, 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 it that works. That's kind of, that's kind of microcosm of what you see with him for the rest of the movie, which is really well. That that back and forth, and then yeah, I mean, I I think there is even. I guess maybe you do trust him by the end of the movie. Uh, I do always have to. If you if you never seen Robot Chicken Star Wars, there's a very good one where it's Chewie in Wookie complaining about Lando. Like, are we just gonna let him off? He got Han frozen in carbonite, and then uh, he points out <laughs> he's even wearing he's even wear he's wearing Han's clothes right now. Which, if you look in the last scene, yeah, he's wearing the vest from That's New a good Hope. Point. Yeah, um, which is almost a excellent piece of like continuity on the wardrobe department. Like, oh, Lando wouldn't have had clothes there. Okay, he'll just wear Han's clothes. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's but, a uh, additionally, of all of the men who try and flirt with Leia, he's the only one that does it well. Like again, yes. like you truly belong <laughs> here amongst the here with us amongst the clouds, like, and he does it in a way where Leia's like, oh, oh. hello, <laughs> hello. You no, know, even though I don't trust you, uh, you you get points. Yeah. Um, but the character of Lando, I think, was a good introduction to the team because when you get to Episode Six, you know, he's just like, well, of course, Lando's part of the team. Um, but that foundation was laid at the end of episode five, where Lando's like, all right, like I'm, I'm piloting my old ship and I'm getting you guys out of here because, hey, guess what? I'm equally screwed because yeah. I no longer can go back to what I had because the Empire's there. And yeah. even though like that's never stated, you, you kind of know like he's part of the team because he has nowhere else to go, but he chose to go with them. 
Yes. Yeah, that, yeah, that is important. The only other, I don't, the, oh, I do just at least for the sake of saying, uh, I Am Your Father is, I think, the best movie twist ever. Uh, I mean, not that I'm a cinema expert at all, but uh, like it, it's my personal favorite. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, uh, it's such an archetype at this point, uh, because, I mean, as because far of this as, movie, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, as far as, like, movie twists go, I mean, you, you've got Citizen Kane with Rosebud, and that that's kind of yeah. it. Uh, I mean, you you genuinely are hard pressed to be like, wait, what? <laughs> um, and and that particular twist genuinely was, wait a second, I was told in the first episode all these other things by, and and then it also puts into, well, why did Obi Wan do all this? And then oh like Yoda basically saying like, you know, um. You know, it, it's bad that I know the truth. And Yoda's like, no, it's it's you know that you're you're still reckless, and you knowing the truth is making you more reckless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in a subtle way, it also that line it almost like it does almost put into question the character of Obi Wan. Yes. Like, you know, was Obi Wan lying? Like, who does Luke believe here? And then like this crisis of uh, identity. Yes. Yeah, no, that that's a really, yeah, like, that's a good point. Because, yeah, like, like even he says, like, Ben, why didn't you tell me? And his, when he's, like, delirious, like, Ben, why didn't you tell me? Like, so, yeah, Luke is, Luke is clearly calling Obi-Wan's character. And, the, and there's definitely that moral superiority, which I think is, is displayed better in Clone Wars, where, yes. like, um, you know... Like Obi Wan is just like, yeah, I had these feelings for was it Sabine or Satine? Yeah, yeah, like I was just like, shit, I just said Sabine. It's that's the other character, but like for Satine, yeah. he's just like, but I'm such a good Jedi that I decided <laughs> not to act on those. I mean, yes. there's a little bit of, and I think Clone Wars definitely frames Obi Wan as a little bit of a fighting two shoes. Yeah, I think it, yeah. Yeah, it does. And I feel like bit. that helps inform him in, especially episode four, but then also in episode five, it's just like, well, I didn't tell you because I, it just wasn't what I was supposed to do. And <laughs> and that also, like, puts into question, like, the entire Jedi Order and the Jedi Code of just, like, follow the rules. It's like, but yep. was that really the best thing to do? Right. Yeah. Uh, does anyone, anything else in particular you want to bring up? I don't know. We, we, we've covered a lot of ground here. Um, yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm good. I mean, we could keep going for another two hours, but. Sure. <laughs> I, I felt like we hit like the really big topics. Yeah. yeah uh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the one last thing is the subtle hints about Leia, or I guess just, just a general question, when Luke reaches out through the Force to Leia, do you think so, that okay. was... Here, here's this, alright, so okay, on that point, can if you have a subtle hint about Leia being the Skywalker, and then you as the writer, I mean, obviously she doesn't know, but like, you still have her kiss Luke. Well, I like, think... I do know behind the scenes 
that Luke was supposed at the, the time they wrote the movie, George Lucas knew he had decided Luke was going to have a sister. Mm-hmm. He, oh, had, okay. he had not made it Leia yet. He had not made it was supposed to be another character out there somewhere in the galaxy. Right. Um, but when he reaches out with the Force, like was that supposed to be a demonstration of Luke's power in the Force or a pa- it ends up being That's- kind of a showing of their connection in the Force? That's a good point. Yeah. But I guess, I don't know, I just always wondered, like, what were they thinking when they did that? Did, was that, even if Leia was not supposed to be his sister, were they trying to show that she could access the Force? I'm inclined to say it's more him slash their connection in the Force of this ethereal, like, um, whatever, field that binds things that we want to describe it. But that's, like, my more cynical take on continuity stuff. <laughs> uh, but, like, I, I could see I could see it read that way. Additionally, I feel like, I mean, if you just look at, you know, episode four, where Obi-Wan is able to use the force on someone else with the Jedi mind trick, and it's just like, you know, uh, you will let us pass. Like, what's not to say, like, okay, well then, if if Obi-Wan can control someone's mind, what's stopping Luke from sending a message to one of his friends? Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. So. That is a good point. Um, right. It does work out in the end, I think. Um, yes. It, it is like a, a very subtle hint to what will come, even if they didn't know it at the time. Yes. Yeah, no, it, it certainly ultimately works in that sense. All right. Uh, so I think that'll be it. So we will be doing the rest of the live action Star Wars movies. Um, uh, but until then, this has been our episode on Star Wars Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I'm Johnny. I'm Tim. I'm Matthew. And thank you for listening. <laughs>